Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 31 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show, as well our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler. Long live Cowboys. Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming back. What an episode we had last week with the legend and the king of the Cowboys, Ty Murray. Lots of good stories from him. 31, we're back. Another big episode with the legend, Cody Lostro. Before we get into him, though, we'll chat as always, and I'll introduce the guy. We don't have the boys today. It's just me and Scott Burns. Scott, how you doing today? Well, good, Cuzzy. Another another one down. Uh, episode 31, hard to believe, eh? That's, uh, that's a lot. We've been doing this a lot. I love it. <laughs> full-time um, gig, full-time gig. Full-time gig, yeah. Do chores, run to the house, do a pod, <laughs> run back out, and finish off your day. That seems to be uh, the weekly norm, so uh, it's all good. Uh, yeah, just giving her shit here, uh, selling some clothes finally, and uh, you know, even with Manitoba, actually, big breaking news in Manitoba here. They're talking about opening up even earlier. So nice. hats, hats off to Alberta, Saskatchewan for setting a trend. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes there's leaders and sometimes there's followers. And I guess, <laughs> I guess the, our province is a follower. So. But anyway, good. yeah, everybody's getting pretty excited. Everybody's getting excited. God damn. It's going to be good to get back to normal. So. Yep. I think Saskatchewan's over 50% vaccination rate. Uh, July 5th, there was some uh, changes in, in border stuff. And then July 11th is when we're supposed to be wide open here in Saskatchewan. So if you're vaxxed, you don't have to do the quarantines when you come across the border. Supposedly all regulations, all rules on July 11th here in Saskatchewan, it's going to be back to what it was almost two years ago now. So light at the end of the tunnel, man. Here we go. Let's do it. Wow, like hard to believe you just said almost two years ago, eh? I, it, it's, I don't know why, but it seems like it's gone fast, although it's been, you know, rather boring um, as far as life is concerned, but it's gone fast and come on, let's kick this last week no. and a half in the ass and get it done and over with. It's kind of overwhelming, like, you know, now it's it's wild like to think about it, but you've, get, you've gotten so accustomed to what life has become now all of a sudden everything's opening up there's fucking nine thousand things to do and it's like shit i'm gonna be on the road again and there's all this shit to do at the house because you get so used to just doing the shit that, that you do around the place and locally and now you got ten thousand things on your to-do list that you wanted to get done it's like fucking life's back we gotta get rolling we gotta get on the road we're gonna be gone it's like mentally it's like holy shit we gotta get this lined out well, like, I don't know about you, but now that things are opening up and I mean, I'm going to be traveling more, obviously, with your events and, and events coming up, you kind of wonder how you juggle it all before. Exactly. So I, guess gonna, <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's going to kind of be like when you quit working out for six months and then you get back out of here, we're going to have to find those new muscles and get them toned up again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get her get her going. So. Yeah. But hey, I'll take I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Get ready to roll. So yeah, lots of interesting stuff here on the go in the in the past week. There was the announcement of this is this is going to become sad for a lot of people. Shocking! I won't get my chance at smooth operator like I recklessly boasted a few episodes ago. <laughs> Luckily for me, that fuck am I glad? Retirement <laughs> uh, of world champion bull Chad Brigger announced uh, retired him at Mandan at the. Uh, 
pretty near local rodeo for for the burger family so uh good to see them retiring him on a high note and, and going out still uh where they're still smashing 90s on him uh but yeah let him let him retire on his own and, and on his own terms yeah i think that shows a lot uh about chad and uh that bull more than deserves to go out and eat grass for the rest of his life on on the you know, on that high note, that is awesome. On that low note, that was my pick way right back then. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're up, buddy. <laughs> so I guess I'm out of the race. I'm done. Yeah, but, done. but yeah, that, that's awesome. Those those good bulls like that, in my opinion, they deserve that. You know, and, and do it when they're still, you know, being 90 and on them and go out, go out on, uh, go out a champ. We'll say. Yeah, go out. You know, there was a couple some guys that rode them that that you know probably wouldn't have you know time ray talked about it in the last podcast of the that great horse that he retired at his place and you know you start getting people that stay on him and ride him i always remember kevin Gerlitz saying that too about lots of bulls when you know some there's times when you can get lucky or guys will step up to the plate and ride them but once they start getting rode kind of by your run-of-the-mill guys it's not that's you know it's time to to let them go out on that yeah. high note i think so which also pissed me off one time because kevin fucking was talking it was i rode unabomber when i was like 19 of Eno's, and he the first thing he said he's like yeah i gotta retire that bull when guys that shouldn't ride him start riding him that's when you gotta let him go like, fuck you kev i'm right here <laughs> yeah, yeah i i could hear what you're saying kevin i i'm yeah. right here best ride of my life man let me have it yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i know it, it it's uh i remember too riding a bull that i number one should have never have rode it was pure luck and the stars aligned or something happened but um same feeling it's great when you're on that side of it and you ride it yeah uh, but it sucks when you hear something like that like <laughs> i don't know how to break this to you but you should not have rode that bull. Uh, yeah. that's not yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good no uh, that's good i'm glad he's retired yeah exactly really good to really good to see uh canadian rodeos kicking back off this weekend canadian pro rodeo association's first events in yeah same thing nothing last year in over a year so uh the tp creek stampede and the bonneville pro rodeo kick off up here in canada so we'll see some great canadian competitors that get to get back in action it'll be a little wild yeah. to see fans all that sort of shit going on so it'll be be fun to see yeah, it will be. It's it's exciting. You see, even on social media, all the pop-ups of this is going on and that's going on. And uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be interesting um, to see if uh, injuries kind of go up. We just talked about finding those yep. muscles and guys that, you know, maybe just rode the wave and, you know, just hung out for a year and a half or whatever you want to say. But it's going to be interesting to see if the injury rates go up now that they're you know they're going to be strapping their hands to some animals that have been fed well mm -hmm. kept in shape mm -hmm. and know their game we'll see we'll see how it all plays out yeah that's that's a lot of the competitor side of things yeah you'll be fresh but same thing you'll be you'll be fresh <laughs> you know like yeah. on both aspects of it and the bulls and the animals themselves I find they seem to do better when they when they have those breaks and have that time off. So yeah, they'll be firing on all cylinders as soon as this thing hits off, and we'll see where the guys are at. There's been you know the bull riding side of things. There's been lots of guys that have been going and practicing. You see all like the the underground bull ridings, we'll call them of of guys going and practicing and doing that sort of thing. So uh, maybe more so the the bareback ride and saddleback ride and different events like that where there hasn't been a whole a whole bunch of 
little jackpots or, or things like that on the side and those horses to be ready to fire so yeah it'll be interesting to to see and watch and and just good to have fans in the stands and get back to it there was an event in Clooney that uh, Slim Wilson put on last weekend where it was the first one where there was uh, you know the crowd full crowd at it and it was pretty wild to see the the videos of it and it looked like you're watching something in the u.s so just great to see that that's that's coming back to to being normal people don't seem to be worried about it too right i was wondering if people were would try to not be comfortable going back and it seems like everybody's kind of on the same page of, of ready to to get back to life and being around people just that mental aspect of being around other human beings it's fucking good to see we always we always talk precautious and social distance. Yeah, six beer in, you're just hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup. Clinched it last night. What a dynasty that they're becoming. We'll see what happens now with the salary cap wise. But but uh, took out the Montreal Canadiens in Game Five to win themselves the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's uh, is that not their third third yeah, Stanley third. Cup? third uh in franchise history it's two in a row yeah that's crazy that's awesome and there is uh one of the shen boys is on that team yeah former guest i think that's what really pushed him over the edge this year was that uh luke shen came on the nfv podcast and gave him the confidence to go win a stanley cup (laughs) we're we're pretty positive fellas so i can't see why that why that didn't play into it but you know everybody dreams of winning one ring stanley cup ring man you got two. Whew, that's, that's sweet. He talked yeah. about it on the on the pod as well. But and um, his sister and, and a couple of his family members were sharing the video of when his brother Braden won the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues the year before that. Uh, he brought the cup home and Luke wouldn't touch it. He drank out of it, but he drank with a straw. You know, had that that uh, whatever it's called where you don't want to touch it, so that yeah. you know, like the Grand Old Opry where you don't stand in in the middle of it until you're playing it you know when you when you yeah. go visit or whatever but yeah so he didn't touch it and then right after that wins two in a row so pretty cool for the shen family to go three years in a row with their family uh having their names on that stanley cup and bringing home stanley cup rings that's wild dream come true well, on the downside i know i said this in previous pods i i do kind of feel bad for carrie price uh yeah. good canadian boy there who's been in the game a long time i don't know exactly how many years but i know it's a lot but hey uh we were just having this conversation on the way home uh, reagan and myself last night late at night talking about competition and kids now getting into some pretty stiff competition the chips will fall where they may it's yeah. meant to be it's meant to be and yeah, you got to go through life just living it and see where it takes you. And yep. the, the Shen family is taking three cups home now. So <laughs> exactly. Guess it was meant to be. Yeah. I was noticing that too. You watch after the, the Stanley Cup is presented and you see the emotions that those guys are going through at just the life work it's not like just that one game you won that stanley cup it started when you were three years old you know and same as winning a world championship in in rodeo right that or bull ride and that's our world championship is winning that stanley cup so the the amount of work and time and effort and family time and effort and sacrifice that everybody takes in it's just got to be such a amazing feeling on one end and then on the other end to go that far to get to the stanley cup finals same thing and then come that close to to having your name on that cup or touching that cup and then it's just taken away from you and a guy like Carey Price who's you know you look at it that 
you know, that could have been his last kick at the can to, to mm-hmm. go with that thing. Shea Weber, I think for sure, you know, I, you know that, and you look at, you hear about the young guys that and maybe it doesn't affect them that much. I've, I've listened to other podcasts where they're like, Oh, I'll be back. You know, and all the old veterans tell them to really take this in and enjoy these moments. Cause you, this is not, this doesn't happen all the time. Right. And you, those young guys, lots of times, they'll never get back to that position and look back and like, holy fuck, I wish I'd have took that in a little bit more in those situations. And you can kind of see that when you, when they scan the cameras at all the different guys and all the emotions on young guys, old guys, the team that won the team that lost. It's, it's more than a sport in my opinion. It's, it's life for those. Oh, for sure. And it's two different disciplines. It's two different sports, but the end game, the end result, whether it's winning or losing is the same, right? It's, it's the same. It's the, highs the lows the how many times have we said it on the podcast you know take it all in because it happens that fast and it's and it's done so yeah you know you feel for the guys who lost but hey there's got to be a winner there's got to be a loser and there's no consolation prizes you know second place yeah. ribbons so yeah. there you go there it that's is. What, that's what it was meant to be this year so definitely um some kind of some some bad news in a sense. He's still rolling, but Cody Oil, I don't know if you've seen this in the news, but he he uh, got a surgery on a meniscus, I think, or something in his knee anyway. Whatever went down, he ended up uh, getting a blood clot, and then he went septic. So, yeah, everybody keep Cody Oil in your in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, just a legend of the game, world champion calf roper, bull owner, and all around just badass, you know, Cody mm-hmm. Oil. You look back on, on his career and, He's still he's still very um, on social media, still really in the public and, and doing lots of stuff on social media. So pretty wild to see. But, you know, it really shows you how quick things can change. You know, he was good to go, having a good time. And then all of a sudden, just something within his body clicks like that. And down you go. You know, he's in the ICU and and not in a not in a good, good spot. So our, our thoughts and prayers with with Cody, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I seen that on Instagram is where I. And I was kind of didn't know what was going on at the start, but yeah, it was a staph infection and one thing led to another and through some of the posts from his family and him, it, it kind of went from, well, this isn't too bad to, whoa, we're, we're, uh, this is getting bad. So I think, uh, I just read something this morning. He's, it, it actually said, I'm not out of the woods yet, but things are kind of looking up. So good, yeah, huh? crazy good for him. Yeah. Wild. Uh, 4th of July is hitting for our non- cowboy rodeo people listeners this is known as cowboy christmas for for rodeo competitors in the sense that all across the u.s normally in canada as well uh the fourth of july run is the biggest run of the year in rodeos where you can win the most money there's something to go to every single day sometimes two sometimes three to hit in a day so uh the biggest time to make your move towards that nfr towards the cfr usually uh, but it's kicked off down in the U.S. and we have a bunch of Canadians that are kicking ass. Uh, Zeke Thurston wins the St. Paul Rodeo. Jake Gardner wins Greeley Extreme Bulls. Then he ends up second or third at the rodeo as well. Uh, really cool to see. Uh, I don't, you know, it's hard to follow all the guys that are going, but yeah, lots of the the bronc riding guys and and uh, the timed event guys, the Milans, Casties. Really cool to see all those guys ripping it up down there and going hard in the paint and, and kicking ass. Yeah, that's for sure. This, but no one can, nobody can really understand as a, as a fan how intense this time of year is for right from one end of the arena to the other. Uh, I know back, you know, when I was still going, you'd see those guys roll in, literally get on their bronc, pack shit up, and there'd be a plane fly over top with eight of them headed somewhere else, just 
that day to get on another one might be, you know, five hours away in a plane. And so, yeah, it's, this is the time where guys make their move and get set up for the year. And, you know, hopefully it clicks for everybody and yeah, Canadians are doing good. That's nice to see. Yeah. Uh, Cause there is like Jake Gardner and some of those Canadians, they've been, they haven't just, you know, started getting or started going a month ago. They've been ha- doing it hard yeah. since what January, February headed yeah. down there. And yeah. so they've been, uh, They've been uh, really putting it all on the line, and now it's starting to click, so good for them as well. Well, sacrifice a lot of time on the road, especially right now where you can't really come back due to the, the quarantine rules and all that sort of stuff. So uh, you got to be all in, and they, those, lots of those guys are. They're, they're all in. They're not being around their families. They're sacrificing that time. To, but, I mean, that's how they, how they make a living. You know, that's how those guys feed their families. So yeah, especially in this time, you got to make that sacrifice, and, and go at it as hard as you can so that you can live, man. So yeah, yeah good to see yeah. you proud of all those, those guys that are doing it and, and going hard at it and best of luck to them. And then kick it off into the Calgary stampede as per usual, that kicks off tomorrow. Greatest outdoor show on earth. That'll be pretty cool to see. You know, I caught myself driving home last night and that feeling of the, you know, we used to go right from Pinocchio, which was, you know, the best rodeo that I, I enjoyed that place. Loved it. But that feeling of leaving Pinocchio, getting parked in Calgary two, three days before, just the atmosphere around there, the bands practicing and everybody's kind of <laughs> doing dry runs and everything. And, you know, it brings a smile to my face because I, I, uh, I'm excited for the guys that are probably, you know, ne- maybe never been there before. They're going to witness that atmosphere and that it is the greatest outdoor show on earth yeah. for anybody that's never been there. And you and I, a lot of guys, friends of ours have, have, been fortunate enough to actually stand in that arena and uh yeah it's an exciting place no matter what you say right so oh, yeah it, it's good i'm excited uh, to maybe catch a couple nights on tv and and uh reminisce about the good old days you know back, <laughs> when, they, back when they bucked and all that jazz <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. exactly lonnie west got the call the other day i got a snapchat from him that that he's you know, got into the stampede. So uh, you'll hear about in our interview with Cody Lostro here, he talks about that, getting that call from, from Barry McGrath or whoever is running it now that, that you're, uh, you're invited, you're going to be a part of it. That's it. It's a great call to get is it's, it's an elite group that gets to go there and, and compete. So congrats to Lonnie and all the other Canadians that they get to show up and show out there and hopefully win a bunch of money, man. That's a, it's a big week. I know that the money, the prize money is cut down. I think 30% off. Of, of what it normally is so it'll be a little bit less and i think it's only half capacity so there won't be as many fans but i think you've seen it with the hockey that even though there's not as many people in the in the crowd the people that are showing up and paying that money to to come and watch are, are definitely diehards and definitely into it so i think it should be just as loud and just as cool as as ever before yeah and, and it's not a hundred thousand dollar round this year it's fifty thousand dollar round and yeah. uh I think what people got to realize too is um, it is now sanctioned with the PRCA. So mm-hmm. any of those guys that are, you know, trying to make the NFR, um, this is the prime opportunity to, to really shoot yourself up in the standings as well. So uh, previous, it was kind of an invite. It was sanctioned with the PBR. Yep. Uh, so just, you know, strictly in the bull riding end of it, but it's she's straight across the board now. So mm-hmm. uh, kind of a game changer, you know, um, now that it's, now that it's PRCA approved, so yeah, kind of like the American as well as Houston, 
uh, they approved with the, the PRCA. And so even though it's $50,000 to the champion, half of that counts towards the, towards the PRCA world standing, same as the American half of the money that you win in that bonus round counts towards it. So uh, it's still a big push to get you to the NFR and uh, you know, could set you up, especially guys like, you know, Zane Lambert, who's never even had a, a PRCA card before had to go through the steps to get himself a PRCA card so that he could compete. Well, he kicks it off there, wins the 50,000 round gets 25,000 towards the standings, mm-hmm. especially in a year like this, you know, make, make a guy freaking go at it, make a run for it. That was kind of when it was PBR approved too. There's lots of those rodeo guys that were invited that never had PBR cards. And if they did good and uh, won money or points through it, it would make them want to go a little bit harder to make a run at that world final. So yeah, it's a, it's a season changer either any way that you kind of look at it. So it's kind of, it's good to follow those storylines too. I like watching that yeah. and following that in all the different events, you know, and Canadian to, to the Americans and, uh, you know, the barrel racing world. It's yeah, there's so many different aspects that go along with it that the outside person doesn't really understand what's going on internally within those, those events. And I don't care what anybody says as a competitor whether you win, lose, or draw there, when you stand out in front of those 32 shoots, yeah. and, well, you know it. You've been there. It is uh, it is a pretty good feeling to to yeah. be able to ride there or, yeah. or or fight or do whatever, right? It's, yep. it's, it's an amazing History. place. I, I got to tell a quick story. In 1997, I got invited to fight one performance. One. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Winston Bruce, give me my shot. I was fortunate enough to fight it with your dad. Yeah. Um, it was the first Friday. So the first day of stampede and I walked through that little man gate with your dad and my chest was puffed out to the stands and back. But when I took it all in, I'm not going to lie. I think there was a little pee run down my leg. <laughs> yeah, it, it is intimidating. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a cool place. Cool yeah. place. Uh, those places like that always made me, it was like, same as, getting on tour riding bulls it was i seemed to do better the the higher the level or the more intense the situations where i think it just got i was so scared or whatever it might have been it just my mind (laughs) went away i didn't think anymore and just you know reacted to what was happening and that's when you ride the best and you know, I was fortunate enough to win a steer riding title at the Stampede. You were there. Yeah, I was there. I was there, man. Yeah. Uh, got wiped out. I don't know if I've told the story on this podcast or not of the final four year when me and Posse were in the final four. Have I told that one on here? I don't know which. I don't know. I'll tell it again. If if I have, I'm sorry. But so the one year me and Posbon was the first year that, that I got to go. He'd been there the year before that. And we both sucked throughout the week and had to come back in the wild card. We end up winning first and second in the wild card, doing the victory lap together. And there's pictures of that all over the internet. We're just high on around there and passing the flag girls and having a great time. Well, then we, you know, obviously you coming through the wild card, you get to go into championship Sunday. Uh, we both ride. I was 88. I think he was 87 or however it worked out, but we made the, the final four, me, him, JB Mooney and JW Harris and JW Harris was the champion of the world in the PRCA at that time. JB was champion of the world in the PBR. And then it was me and Posse, two little fucking kids <laughs> from Canada. And we're like, Oh shit. I remember looking over, like just panicking. And I was like, how long do we got, you know, till the bull ride? And JB's like, well, all the other fucking events before us, just like any other day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Good call. So yeah, we go over and pick our bulls. Um, I had Pop Evil and Trent had uh, 
I can't remember what he had. One of Kelly Armstrong's bulls, a young one anyways. So we go back to the room, come out, and it's beating hot that day. You know, Calgary can get so hot. And just oh, the, yeah. It's just the mindset that you go through. Anyway, long story short, all four of us stayed on in the in the final four. JB won. I went second. And then it was J-Dub and Posse. But, you know, J, I was 90. JB was 91 or something. I think uh, J.W. Harris was 89. I think Paul was 88. So it was a honky four-round. I don't know if there's been many years where they've rolled all four in that four-round. But uh, anyway, we go back to the locker room, and we're all just – me and Trent are just like, holy shit, you know, hearts still just pounding. Like, what a (laughs) moment, you know, trying to, like, think of, like, how cool that was. So we have our back numbers, and we're like, all right, let's get, you know, let's get J.B. and J.W. to sign our back numbers. So the final four guys, right? So we pass each other our back numbers. I sign his. He signs mine, and then we each sign our own. And both of us were too fucking nervous to ask J.W. Harris or J.B. Mooney to sign our back numbers. We never did get him to sign it. We were too scared oh. to talk. <laughs> we were too scared to talk to those guys. We were just like, no, nah, fuck, I'm not doing it. That's corny, man. Like, fuck that. So we ended up just signing each other's. And then when he, when he passed away, uh, his parents gave me his his back number. So I have both of our, our back numbers from that final four with just both of our signatures on it. We were, both your signatures. <laughs> shit that's good yeah. i that you know and now there's you you think back now like what was i nervous about to ask yeah. those two guys eh? but that's just yep. that's part of the journey part of yep. the journey yeah i have to say uh this year at this year at calgary they're not having obviously the wagon races so they brought in You've been to St. Tite. You've seen the exchange race and the pickup race that yeah. they do out there, that kind of relay with humans. Yeah. Um, so that crew stopped here uh, Monday night with 20 horses. So we had to get them all situated and and, and uh, five or six Frenchmen, mm-hmm. um, one that spoke really good English <laughs> and the others <laughs> that didn't. <laughs> Yeah, so I was kind of trying to talk to them, like, have you been to Calgary, the Calgary Stampede for? They're like, no, 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 no. He, The one guy got it out. I've never left Quebec. And I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, boy, hang on, because it's yeah. going to be a fun 10 days. So they were so excited. They were going to the Calgary Stampede. So I remember that feeling, and, and it was kind of fun to, to see them leave the driveway headed for Calgary. So good to them. Yeah, that's pretty badass. And people at Calgary, I'm sure, will be drinking some Hey Y'all Southern Iced Teas. Hey Y'all Southern Iced Teas. Our tea is always served iced and hard. This vodka-based iced tea is brewed with genuine black tea and lightly sweetened. Enjoy a Hey Y'all Southern Iced Tea while taking in the main bull riding event or sipping a cold one on the porch. Hey Y'all Southern Iced Teas, the official refreshment beverage of the NFP podcast. Yeah, man, it's gonna be fun to watch Cody Snyder and I think Schiffner on the mic for the yep. for the bull riding side so, yeah. of things. So yeah, that'll be cool. It'll be a, yeah, like you say, with the border stuff, it'll be a change of of uh, the guard. Even though Cody'd been there before, but he hasn't been there the last few years. Now he's gonna be back, so it'd be good to see him uh, back on the mic, giving his opinions on things. Yeah, Ash Cooper actually is uh, the entertainer, the clown there this year too. So no um, shit, him and his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got a text from him last night. He was he was headed that way. So yeah, good for him. Um uh I, I believe that would be the first and only time that he's actually a clown there. Cool. So yeah, yeah good, that'll be good to see. Good shot for some guys. So yeah. Yeah, 
Good to see. Uh, some somber news in the rodeo world over here in uh, CCA, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. The passing of Bill Robb. Um, yes. You know, out of the blue and uh, such an integral part of the team roping world and team rope jackpot cca you know uh, just a, a legend of of the roping world and just a good guy all around i didn't know him all that well but always you know being around those rodeos as a kid you you can hear them and, and see them and and you know all the facebook posts and the tributes that they've had obviously such a, a huge impact on on so many ropers and and uh all around great guy from everything that i've heard so definitely thoughts and prayers with his family and everybody that that's been affected it's uh it's yeah, just a out of the blue crazy situation and we're, we're thinking about everybody involved yeah i got to know bill pretty good through my years in the cca and he was a stand-up guy I just liked to chat you know he liked to visit and pick your brain about what you were doing and back and forth and i couldn't agree more uh it is sad, and uh, there'll be a hole left in in that community, the roping community, and and everybody's hearts, of course. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, we can't say it enough. You just never know. So enjoy it while you can, right? So um, yeah, sad to see him go. Before we get to our episode, our interview, sorry, with uh, Cody Lostro, we got to talk about Manscaped. <laughs> Why not? Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, our go-to for men's below-the-waist grooming products. Manscaped's new product alert. It's time to stop, drop, and order this brand-new shaving kit that they just launched, introducing the Ultra Smooth Package, a specialized growing shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking about their new crop shaver, crop exfoliator, and crop gel. It's time to crop that bush ears and get rid Get right to the roots with a discount just for you. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code NFP20. Step one, crop exfoliator. Infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Step two, crop gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. With four essential oils, it's like a spa treatment every time you shave. Step three, it's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. It's time to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job. The ultra smooth package from Manscaped. Oof, that was a mouthful. Nailed it. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Everything you said is true. So get up there and buy it, guys. Come on. Go get come it. On. Let's go, baby. Get 20% yeah. off free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. Smooth it out, fellas, with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Hey, so obviously you've got some events coming up here quick. That's just another uh, testament to the province opening up or the provinces opening up. So you're, uh, you got a long drive ahead of you. Yeah, fucking right. So uh, lots of time to listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm heading to Teepee Creek tomorrow. I'm going to go do some bullfighting for the Dwayne Kessler Championship Rodeo. Got my rodeo card and be my first uh, pro rodeo, CPRA rodeo in Canada. So yeah, looking forward to it. Hey, and nice to hear that name that you just said, too. I know, all right? Yeah, that's a, kind of a full circle type of ordeal there. So good to hear that Dwayne Kessler and the Kessler family on that side of things is back. I think partnered with, uh, I think, C5. Yep. How's the Bulls and, and stuff they've got together. So 
Good to see you, man. Looking forward to it. See That's right. Well, you <laughs> give him a big old handshake for me when you get up there and, uh, uh, glad to see, uh, I'm glad to see that family back and hear that name going down the road again. That's yeah. awesome. Definitely. So yeah, a couple of things on the go. Also the, you know, we just announced that, uh, NFP tour stop number two, McGrath, Alberta at the two bit ranch, the celebration of the two bit nation, uh, Josh Brise and, and, uh, family is going to rock and, you know, we're going to do an NFP style. It'll be on the cowboy channel. That's coming up August 5th. There's the August 5th. Uh, and then as well, coming back to my place here, August 12th and 13th for another NFP tour stop. So things are happening. Things are uh, rolling and just, you know, can't wait to get back to it. Yeah, that's good. I'm excited. i fortunate enough to be involved in that uh, in some aspects. So it's on my on my list of can't wait to get out there and hit the road. So looking forward to it. Damn right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's rip it over here to our interview with Cody Lostro. And once again, good luck to all the contestants on the, the Cowboy Christmas run. Congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, more specifically uh, Luke Shen on another ring, bringing back to Canada and Saskatchewan. And good luck to all the contestants at the Calgary Stampede. We'll be rooting you on and we'll try to keep everybody updated as, as best we can on everything that, that goes on within the world here in the next week. So thank you guys. And here is our interview with the world champion, Cody Lostro. Sticks it on a rank one. Is this a step towards destiny? Cody Lostro and Troubadour. And it looks like he's gonna go all the way. Our guest today is a 10 times PBR World Finals qualifier, the 2005 PBR Rookie of the Year, and the 2009 Champion of the World. From Colorado, it's Cody Lostro. Lostro, how are we doing today? Good. How are you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, thanks for hopping on here. We're a little bit late today. I'm going to get this out tonight instead of this morning, but it's because you're cracking back out in the bull riding, or what the hell's going on there? <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely not cracking out. I, I am 100% still retired, but uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure other sports athletes like to play a game occasionally. So that's uh, kind of what I got going on. What was the deal there? You just just entered one, or you just showed up and got on, or what was going on? I see we shared it on Facebook there. And, pretty pretty yeah. good ride do pretty good ride for not being on it quite a while <laughs> yeah it's been a it, crap it's been three years i guess uh but i got on one a month ago actually and uh it it hurt a lot like <laughs> uh, my body was not was not ready to go and uh and golly i got on I, it was kind of as a pick your own bull event and i picked one that he really bucked hard and i probably should have picked a little easier uh <laughs> anyhow it mo motivated me. I, I don't like falling off so i was like crap i'm gonna get in a little better shape and lose a little weight and get on again so that's what i did i lost about 10 pounds the last month and got on a couple nights ago and heck it worked good yeah it did did you win was it first place yeah yeah i won the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> duh fucking duh <laughs> oh that's gold we always kind of go back to the early days in these podcasts, and that's where I kind of want to go with you too. Um, growing up in in Colorado, was was bull riding rodeo? How'd you kind of get into the sport, and did you do other sports? What's kind of your background uh, into into the sport of bull riding? Yeah, man, uh, I I wrestled a little bit when I was younger uh, in like middle school and stuff, 
and uh you know i had fun doing it but uh when i was like seven i suppose um my mom had a tape of shine frontier days that she bought for me just because well i don't even know if she bought it for me but we had a tape yeah. and i'd watch that sucker and watch the bull riding over and over and over and uh finally my mom's like hey you want to ride steers at the fair and uh, she just thought it'd be something fun to do and i'd you know fall off and give up and go on my way <laughs> uh all of that happened except for me giving up uh, i got on flopped off had no idea what i was doing but i thought it was like the funnest thing that i'd done ever and uh, yeah. so i just kept, kept getting on them and i had no no success or no talent or no idea what i was doing at all uh, quite quite often that does blow up in parents face eh? they're like <laughs> oh we'll just give them something to do something different and boom they never they never do quit again so wipe them, try to wave them yeah. And yeah. With yeah. they just love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's probably a warning to all the parents out there. Uh, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, kind of got it that way and, and kept going and gradually, you know, had some direction and some guidance and uh, went to some schools and stuff and finally picked it up after years of struggle. Did you tra- you switched hands, did you not, when you were a kid? Is that true? Yeah, I did. You know, I didn't know anything about it. And uh, so I rode what I thought was correct for me. You know, I was right-handed, so I figured, oh, I need that strength to hold on, so I'll ride right-handed. And I, I sucked, man. I couldn't ride. Really? <laughs> I couldn't ride nothing at all. And, uh, and one day, uh, an old time guy, he's, he's like, you know, y'all to try riding with the other hand. I think it might work, you know, cause, uh, cause typically your dominant hand has more balance and it. it'd be beneficial to keep it up. So I tried it and it felt awkward. I mean, so awkward. I felt like there's no way I could stay on, but I rode the first one I got on and, uh, and he didn't buck or nothing, but it gave me some hope that maybe I can do this sport. No shit. Aaron Roy did that too. You remember Scott? You, Los yep. you probably heard about it too. He broke his arm when he was like 15 and he'd been riding that way for his whole career. And then when he broke his arm, he had to switch hands to go to the high school finals. And then he's like, Oh, this is way better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and stuck with it. Yeah. And, and in both cases, it obviously worked out. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> yeah. Hey, did you go to, did you go to Gary LaFuse school and stuff? Is there, what were, were you a, a protege him or what would you say yeah so my buddy josh Cochelle, he went to lafuse school when he was younger and then he come back and kind of showed me what he'd learned and so that's kind of the way we practiced when we were young and then i never really got actually linked up with gary until golly until i'd been in the pbr for several years oh, okay uh, and i got linked up with him just kind of tuning up out of his place and stuff i went out there a few times oh cool but, uh, but yeah i mean he's got some good good knowledge on the sport and he breaks it down really well plus uh that guy he's fairly motivational he, he, he can make you feel like, uh, like you can do it all even if you have no idea what you're doing <laughs> is, is 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 that advice you would give i think a lot of guys starting out or or guys that have been in it four or five years it never hurts to go back and tune up and let your guard down and get on you know some easier bulls just to just to perfect it right Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the most important things is of, of a guy continuing to excel his whole career is not being afraid to be like, Hey, I got to practice. I got to go to somebody that knows what they're looking for and can kind of cr- critique me a little bit, especially, you know, you don't even have to be struggling just to, to stay yeah. on top of you for sure. Stay sharp. Yeah. Well, you see other sports, obviously they have coaches and, um, you know, people, different people, trainers, everything in their life, the bull riders, we don't really have that. It's kind of maybe getting more to that, to, 
towards it now. Um, but yeah, like you say, you got to be able to, to learn even when you're at the top of your game, I think. Absolutely. Not, uh, not letting that ego get in the way of <laughs> As a board writer, that's pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, uh, what's been keeping you busy these days, uh, Cody? I know you're in the bull business and stuff, and since retirement, what's been going down? Well, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up, honestly. Well, uh, yeah, I feel I, when I quit riding bulls, I really didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I was kind of lost, and I didn't know, you know, I thought about joining the military or – or just going, you know, totally different direction with my life. And, um, and actually, uh, kind of fell into a deal. Uh, uh, I got some, some hounds from, uh, from Shorty Gorham and started hunting mountain lion yeah. and just, you know, I kind of similar deal to bull riding. Like it's not nearly as intense, but you get out you're on your own. You're in, you know, kind of an extreme environment where you're going to push yourself and I really, really fell in love with that. And, and granted, I'd done it a long time. Like I hunted cats with my friends for years and years, but I never had my own pack of dogs. So anyhow, I kind of fell into this guiding position with an outfitter up here. So now I guide hunters for, for most of the winter and uh, during summer, just do the buck and bull deal. And then uh, me and uh, a couple of buddies of mine have a metal fabrication business too, where we uh, got a plasma table and make some cool stuff on there and just I don't know, kind of have a good time. I don't really have a particular job. I just do a lot of stuff that I enjoy and it pays the bills. Shit, yeah. Is the, is the buck and bull business, would you say like, you know, you're, you're all in on it. Like you got some bulls that have, have went, I, I see you're in the fraternity games and all that stuff. Like a cord McCoy, obviously having success in it. Now, are you kind of selling them when they're young behind the scenes type of thing, or are you full fledged going to pack them or, or where are you at in the bull business? Uh, yeah, I have, I have no desire to have a trailer full of big bulls going down the road. I'm glad that guys do, but I don't. Um, so yeah, my deal, I really like the breeding part. So I'm breeding all these calves, kind of getting them ready. And when they're starting to show some potential, you know, and really catch people's eyes, then I'll sell them. And uh, for me, that's the best way to make money with it is, is breeding them and selling them young. Cool. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. The, the breeding them part really intrigues me. It's, I don't know why it's you bang your head off a wall trying to get it right. But when it does work, it, uh, it's pretty dang cool. Feels when you good. talk about, uh, when you talk about being done riding bulls and, and kind of not knowing where your, you know, your life was headed or where you wanted to go. Um, did it nag at you to go back riding bulls at any point? Like, you know, the, the following year after Fuck, it still does. You still <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I mean, was it something you, you fought with for a while? Um, you know, like a lot of guys do. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, uh, the kind of the main reason I quit really is because my body wouldn't hold together. You know, I don't know how much, you know, my backstory there, but like in 15, I they ended up having a tumor in my neck that had to be removed. And it took like two, almost two and a half years to recover from all that. And then when I come back, I just couldn't hold my body together. So I didn't really want to stop riding, but absolutely, man. Like, I mean, being totally honest, since I quit, there hasn't been a day go by that I haven't thought about riding bulls. That's and it. I always, always thought, you know, if I, if I get on one, it's, it's not going to be enough. I'm gonna have to get on more. I'm gonna have to get on more. And I guess I've been beating down that feeling for the past, however many years until just recently, I figured it was okay to, to okay. give it a go. I think 
everybody struggles with it. You know, I've talked to several past world champions and, and even guys that didn't win world titles. We just rode bulls locally for a long time and they're in the same boat. Uh, I don't know what it is about the sport, but golly, there's just something that gets in your blood and you can't take it. Yeah. Addicting. Uh, I was going to get into that, that uh, injury as we go down the line, but you brought it up there. Can we go into that a little bit? Lots of people don't have a, have a clue about that, what happened to you and what you went through in that time. Can you share a little bit about that if you're good with that? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. It was uh, just a freak deal, man. Um, so I, uh, it was like early 2015 and I was, uh, I'd gone to a rodeo in Oklahoma and, and when I was driving back home, all of a sudden, like I felt like as drunk as you can be and being conscious, like instantly felt that way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what the heck was going on. I, so I pulled over to this gas station that buddy of mine was with me. I said, Hey man, I need to get some coffee or something. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And I was like falling down, stumbling around in this gas station, trying to get coffee and I couldn't get my oh, crap together. So anyhow, my buddy drove me home. I got home and literally slept for about a week straight. Like I'd, I'd wake up for an hour and eat and go back to bed and wake up the next day. And uh, finally went to the doctor and they thought I had a, had a stroke. Um, so I did all these tests on my brain and it ended up not being a stroke. Well, then they thought it was concussion related. So they were doing all these brain tests uh, for whatever they do for concussions. And they're like, no, we don't really think it's concussion related. And so um, anyhow, then I had to wait to see a, a neurologist and the wait was like eight or 10 months. It was something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I'm basically just sitting around my house. It was kind of a weird time. Like I felt almost like I was losing touch with reality because the world was so screwed up from my perspective. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't see very well. I couldn't talk like I was slurring my speech and just felt like I could not stand in one spot or move. Gradually kind of got better at dealing with the symptoms, but always felt off. Well, then finally I saw the neurologist. They decided to check further down from my brain and they found this, uh, what's called a carotid body tumor. It's a, was a tumor wrapped around my carotid artery in my neck. And so it was choking down a little bit of blood supply to my brain, but it was also pushing on nerves that went to my tongue and my eyes, which is kind of why I had the issues there. Um, anyhow, they, they did a, a surgery that I'll never want to go through again Ugh. and took that out. And, uh, and man, like I woke up and felt like a brand new person. It was, oh, shit. Pretty- Yeah. Incredible how big of a difference it made. But anyhow, that was from 2015 to like the end of 2017, all that crap was going on. And so then in 2018, I I rode a few bulls and just kept, kept just tearing up my riding arm. I couldn't keep it together. And, and then finally decided I'd, I'd hang it up. And, you know, that's uh, just kind of not what a guy plans, but life doesn't ever go perfect. So. Oh, that's wild. Hey, a lot, of, yeah, a lot of people, you know, didn't know you're, you weren't like big on social media with it at that time of what was was going on. Right. That had been a huge struggle and mental struggle. And I remember seeing you at the, the Western Sports Foundation clay shoot and you were talking about it that, you know, your, your eyesight and everything like there was a bunch of shit going on. Right. Like you couldn't see. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I couldn't see more than a few feet in front of me for a long time. And then gradually got to where I could see further out, but I would see double of everything. Yeah. So like I couldn't 
drive. I, I couldn't ride a horse for a long time. And then I finally started riding a horse and we'd go rope and I'd see two steers, you know, and I learned if I roped the left one, I'd catch it. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> at least if you uh, missed, at least if you missed, you had an excuse. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was aiming at the right one, not the left yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I kept it quiet, man, because in my mind, like, you know, nobody knew what was going on. I didn't know what was going on in my mind. I really thought that like one night I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up fine. You know, I could get oh, back yeah. to normal life. And uh, that didn't happen for years. Mm-hmm. Kind of a kind of a freak deal. And the, and the weird thing is, you know, it was a benign tumor. It wasn't cancerous or anything, but uh, I think that's what it's called, benign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And they said they don't see them in lower altitudes they're like they only see them west of the mississippi in the higher altitudes and they don't know what causes it so it's kind of, kind of a strange deal holy shit wow well yeah super glad to hear that that all turned out and you're good now and healthy you got a family and kids and everything else right that could you know obviously go the other way and be a bad very bad situation so glad you're yeah. here man that's that's great and still uh, still busting down a few every now and again yeah. <laughs> Uh, go back to the, to the early days of, you know, maybe that 18 year old time or your rookie time. Was it always the PBR on your mind? Did you rodeo at all? Uh, what was your, what was your kind of plans when you, when you hit that 18 mark? Uh, yeah. So, so, uh, growing up, you know, in, in high school and, and being younger and everything, the PBR was always the biggest deal, right? Like that was just, you know, it just had more fanfare and, and more, a bigger presence, but the rodeo was, was always cool because that's where it all started right yeah. um so once i got going i, I was rodeoing and going to uh, the tour and pros and stuff that i could get into back then you know you, you couldn't hardly get into a tour and pro or a challenger event they were just super hard to get into so i went to mostly rodeos and um and went i was going to college at the university of wyoming and uh and actually so when when winter break hit i'd had some success going into into the winter and then really did good through that break. And when I came back from winter break, I told the rodeo coach, I was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to go try to win uh, rookie of the year. Cause at the time I, I was winning rookie of the year in the PRCA. Okay. So I split and, uh, and left college, which was kind of tough. Cause one of my goals there was to make the college finals and the NFR in the same year. Um, but I figured the NFR meant more. So I went and pursued that. And then shortly after that, I I finally started getting into some, some PBRs and having success there and then ended up uh, taking the lead in the rookie of the year in the PRCA. And, and at that time the bulls were so much better and the money was better in the PBR. And so I was like, this is a no brainer. I'm going to the PBR and uh, just stayed there for, for a long time. And then eventually started rodeoing a little bit again, uh, you know, kind of towards the end of my career, just something to do on the summer break. It was something different. And, you know, the, the rodeo atmosphere is totally different and it's, it's kind of more laid back and I enjoyed it a lot. Just getting a break from the kind of high stress atmosphere. Those bull runs can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. 10 years of intensity. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did the, so winning the rookie of the year. So what year was that? Was that 2005 then the year that you won the rookie yeah. of the, year, the PBR? So was that, yeah. Did that give you like the confidence at that point that it was like, or would you, you have a great attitude and a great mindset of, you know, confident guy that, that knows your abilities. But when you hit that, that rookie of the year mark in 2005, was it like, all right, I can fucking do this, make a living at this and win a world title. Or did you have that in you already? Well, I, I kind of, I kind of already had that, 
mindset, you know, like I'm, I can do it. Um, and you know, what's interesting to, to, to back up just a little bit. Um, when I, I was struggling on my permit, right. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't finish it. Right. I'd, I'd make the short, every short round and couldn't finish it. And a buddy of mine, I was real pissed one night. I'm like, man, what the hell am I doing wrong? Like, why can't I finish these deals? And he told me, he's like, you got to believe that you deserve to be here. And I, it hit me. Cause I, I mean, I, I never thought that I didn't deserve, but you know, you're kind of starstruck when you first get there and you're riding, you know, and you're against your heroes and in and, and your dream association or whatever. And I realized at that time, I was like, golly, I guess I, I didn't really believe I deserved here. I just knew that I had the talent to do it, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, it totally meant like just that flip and, and the way I was thinking about things changed, changed my mindset. So once I finally realized that, I'm like, I do belong here. And so winning rookie of the year was kind of just part of the, the plan, you know, what I expected to have, but, honestly I struggled after that like I got cut the next year after my rookie after winning rookie of the year really um got yeah I got cut from tour part partly because of injuries I was trying to ride through that I needed to get healed up but but mainly because I'd put that pressure on myself like uh all right now I got something to prove I got to prove you know I deserve to win that and all this I think everybody goes through that stuff and uh yeah I just I, I screwed up the, my next <laughs> sophomore year and, and sucked for a while and, and, you know, got cut and had to win my way back, but it, it lit a fire under me that uh, was beneficial. You know, looking back on it, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. That might've been the best thing for you reset and have to go. You see lots of guys do that when rookie of the year, and then you don't really see much of them after that. Right. There was a big kind of like a curse for a while there where you didn't want to win rookie of the year. Cause there was nobody that won rookie and then won the world title. Remember, I think you might yeah. have been the first to do that. Yeah, I was actually. That was, and that was the big talk. They're like, "How do you feel about nobody's ever done this?" And I was like, "Well, somebody's gonna do it. You know, might as well be me." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Oh, that's pure gold. Was that where the the "How bad do you want it?" story came into play, or where where does that one come into play? You got to. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That actually is part of it. So when I was on my on my permit, like I mentioned earlier, you just couldn't, you couldn't get into these bull ridings. Like I'd enter everything that was open and, and never get in. And, you know, at the time, Jay Doherty, he was taking entries uh, for the PBR and I kind of got to know him because I was on the phone with him every week trying to get into something. And finally one week he told me, he's like, all right, I tell you what, next week, enter everything you can and I'll make sure I get you in something. <laughs> and so I think there was like five events open, right? And I entered all of them. And one of them was in Medicine Hat, Alberta. Nice. Um, and one was in Hidalgo, Texas, which if you know where Hidalgo is, it's far south in Texas, you can get. <laughs> and so uh, I'm 18, um, you know, on my permit. I can't uh, rent a car or nothing. But I think at the time, I, I can't remember if I was still in college or if I just stopped at that point. But anyhow, it was during, oh, it was during spring break. That, that's what it was. And so all the rest of the college rodeo team they wanted to go to canada with uh, with me and josh because they could drink up there when they're 18 <laughs> and so we had like four truckloads of guys going up there and the only two of us riding and nice. uh cool. so we oh you know the typical story somebody doesn't fill up with gas we run out of gas in the middle of nowhere got to hitchhike down and get gas cans and get back up there Anyhow, we finally get to Medicine Hat, and I ride, uh, what was that, um, 
rock solid of Gerlitz's. You remember that bull? Yeah. Yeah. Sure yeah. yeah. So I ride him in the long round, make the short round, and I get on uh, what was a big stone bull wide out. I think they called him great big white bull. Yeah. Turn back there to the right. And, yeah, that's him. That's yeah. Him. And he clicked my heels and I, and I fell out right in front of him and he, and he kept spinning over top of me and he stepped on my head oh, and just, I mean, just blew up. Like my head was as big as I can, you can imagine. And uh, I remember my buddy, Josh, he was such an ass. He, he walks up, I'm like dying behind the buck and shoots and he walks up and looks at me and says, you should have been wearing a bull tough. He walks off. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow so i go through all that and uh and don't win any money you know i didn't place in the long round so we get a hotel room well now all them guys from college they, they want to go to the bar so i so that's the last thing i feel like doing but i go along with them and i'm sitting there you know feeling sorry for myself for having a big old throbbing headache not not having a whole lot of fun and uh and i'm watching these guys like one of, one of my buddies, he gets he gets all ripped, and he's just walking around the dance floor playing his air guitar, trying to pick up chicks like he thinks it's cool. <laughs> playing his air guitar, he'd he'd walk up to him playing that thing, and they just look at him and turn away. And so, anyhow, I kind of got a kick out of watching them that night. Um, anyhow, um, I'd so I'd spent all my money, like I didn't have a lot of money trying to trying to make these things work. I'd spent all my money getting up there to uh to canada and bought a plane ticket back to texas to get to the other bull riding in hidalgo and so i didn't win any money at the first bull riding the next day i get on the plane in uh, calgary and i flew to san antonio i think because i guess that was as close as i could find to hidalgo and i couldn't rent a i couldn't rent a car and so i got a greyhound bus ticket and rode this greyhound that zigzagged all over the state of Texas, picking up people and dropping them off to get to Hidalgo. And like, I was so tired. Like I didn't sleep on the flight because my head was so swelled up. My ears wouldn't pop. And it felt like, you know, knives in my head. So I get on this bus and I'm like, I've been there for, you know, several hours and we stop at a gas station. So I get a, I buy a bottle of NyQuil and just down it so I can pass (laughs) that bus, get some sleep uh finally get to finally get to hidalgo and uh and get to the bull riding and i got i don't remember what i rode in the long round there made the short round and this was back when uh jerry nelson you remember um scene of the crash that yep. uh the finals a bunch of times back mm-hmm. when he was a young bull they called him rocket man okay so i had rocket man in the short round and you know how hard scene of the crash was to ride well this bull just throttles me and so now I'm in Hidalgo, Texas, spent all my money on this trip just to try to, you know, fill my permit. And I didn't win a dime. And now I have no way back home to Colorado. <laughs> uh, so fortunately, a guy I knew was down there and coming back up this way to Colorado. And so I jumped in with him and he gave me a ride home. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my, my how bad do you want it story? Like, you know, yeah. are you going to? you're going to stay home and try to play it safe or, or put everything you got, you know, put all your chips on the table and, and go all in. And I went all in and it, I didn't win a dime, you know? Yeah. But uh, what I, what I learned from that experience though, is it's okay to take those risks 
because even if you don't win something, you're going to learn something. And what yeah. I learned from trip ended up being a game changer, you know, where I wasn't, wasn't near as hesitant to take those risks and really go out there and put myself on a limb. Yeah. Get hit the rock bottom and know that there's, you can, you can get back from it. Right. And I think it's like karma, yeah. Yeah. like everything kind of comes back <laughs> into play. Right. If you didn't do that, you might not have had this success later on. If you would have turned out or, you know, not put yourself through that. I always feel like that's, that's the big thing. You got to go through all that shit and grind it out and it's going to pay off in the long run. Right. In, in a sense. Yeah. Absolutely. That's where we're made, right? That's where we, where we gain that stuff is through the fire. It's not through the, the easy spots. Yeah. yeah. When Tommy Lasorda talked at the 05 World Finals, that probably brought you back to that situation and made you pretty fired up for the situation <laughs> that you were in in 05. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Tommy Lasorda, I'd never, I, I can't say I know him. I didn't, I didn't hang out with him or anything, but, but at the, I think it was the last day of the finals in 05, he showed up to the locker room and I don't know how they lined that up, but he gave a speech and I, I can't even tell you what he said, but golly, that guy is, is awesome. Like you can tell why he was a world-class coach, um, not only in baseball, but just people in general. Like he, he, he knows how to, how to motivate. And um, that was the coolest speech I'd ever heard. And uh, that day at the final, we rode the shit out of a man. Like we, <laughs> I think I was I was like 89 or 90 and caught last hole in the round that day and it was just like a, a pack of wolves had been released it was, it was really cool when he was as a motivational speaker when he was giving that speech to you guys like was he just yelling and and giving it to you or what did was it just more of a calm speech that really got you fired up uh kind of kind of in between man um he wasn't really yelling at anybody but he was uh he was fired up and, and like, you know, kind of like an old, cause he's old, like he was real, real old when he came and talked to us. And you know how like an old man, they don't really get fired up and yell at you, but they kind of raise their voice and you can tell they're passionate about what they're saying. And right. I mean, it was, it was like, he was speaking into our, into our souls. Like, right. I don't know how, <laughs> how he did that, but he got that connection and everybody was just glued to him. Like, like little kids on a, on a television, you know, yeah, right on. That's cool. Yeah. walk us through the world title run man that's obviously you, your whole life your whole career that was something that that you wanted to do everybody who you know straps their hand to one wants to be a world champion you made that that dream come true all the hard work success everything that it took to get there what was winning that world title like and then go back and, and kind of walk us through that the finals week and it was the closest race in in history and you and jb going head to head i remember you weren't talking to the media the last couple of days or the last day you just wanted to get focused walk us through that that just life-changing time i'm guessing yeah man so, so obviously that's every every kid's dream that rides bulls like i want to win a world title and the the reality is they only give out one a year. Right. And so there's a lot of great bull riders that un unfortunately never, never won one. And, and I felt uh, very blessed and fortunate to, to be able to win one myself, but that accomplishment, you know, what's interesting is it felt the exact same as every other accomplishment, every other goal that I'd ever set. Right. Yeah. So when I was, when I was a little kid, I was like, man, if I could just make the Little Bridges World Finals, I would make, you know, I'd have it made. I'd never yep. need to ride another bull. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd have it made. 
well, then you accomplish that and you're like, man, this feels great. You know, I want to do it again. What's the next goal? And so you set another goal. Well, now, you know, name your goal. Everybody who sets them. So like every title, you know, high school titles and, and all that stuff, like there was always that feeling of heck. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, I did it. And, and that was literally like how the world title felt. It, it was the same excitement and exhilaration that I've got from every other goal that had been reached. Um, it was just, it paid a lot better that time. (laughs) That, that part was like, like, I don't even know what to do with all that money, but seeing a, seeing a gold buckle in your hands is kind of like, you know, this is what I've dreamed of my whole life. But the, the excitement is, is the same that I've felt before. Um, and honestly, I didn't feel real for quite a while. Like I'd, I'd kind of gotten my own head where I was like, there's, I'd focused it, I'd focused everything and broke stuff down into such small reachable goals that I was always just focused on the goal that was right in front of me. So when it was finally over, like I literally felt like there was more bulls to ride more season to go. And it took like a month for me to realize, Hey, it's, it's over dude. Like, (laughs) but to break it down into how I got to that point in 2008, uh, I'd actually come into the finals, I think maybe in third or fourth place. And I had a shot to beat Galeramie that year. And, you know, I, I really kind of just lost it mentally. Like I was trying, there's, I was just focusing on the wrong stuff, right? Like I was trying to always beat Galeramy and JB and, and the other guys. Um, and we, you know, we get to pick our bulls. So I just kind of, I trying to pick the right bull and see what they picked. And the, can I got a bull that can, I can beat them on. I just wasn't focused on riding. I was focused on strategy. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I kind of choked, like made, made a few good rides and won some money, but, I ended up actually finishing the year lower than, than where I come into the finals. So after the finals, I was like, all right, like I've got to change what I did here because obviously that didn't work and it was way too stressful. And so um, I decided, you know, I'm like, all right, what can I control? I can control my attitude and my effort. That's it. Like I can't control the judges. I can't control what my bull does or what my competitors do or nothing of that sort. So I'm going to focus on my attitude and my effort and I'm going to take it one, like, I mean, it sounds cliche, but like one bull at a time. Right. So if you want to win the world title, break it down, you got to win events. Well, how do you win events? You got to, you know, get on good bulls and ride them. Well, how do you ride them? It's one jump at a time. And it's so simple, you know, and you hear it when your kids mm-hmm. ride them one jump at a time, but that's legitimately like, that was my strategy. Like, uh, yeah. every bull I got on, that's the only one that mattered. I didn't, I didn't try to worry about, the short round or tomorrow or anything like that. It's like, this is the only thing that matters in my world right now. And I just got to do it one jump at a time. And if I do this over and over and over, I will accomplish my, my ultimate goal of, of winning this title. And so, man, when I, it took like discipline, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get your mind to stay there because it doesn't want to be, mind wants to constantly be thinking about all this crap. That's, that's worthless. It doesn't matter riding yeah. bulls. Right. Uh and so I legit like got in my own world, man. Like I was in my, in my head. I was just like, Oh, this is freaking awesome. Like I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It's just me and this bull. And I'd ride this one. I'm like, all right, run another one. And I'm ready to ride another one. And, uh, and crap, man. It was like, like literally like no pressure there. They're the only, the only pressure that we, that can be put on you is what you put on yourself. Right. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what anybody else says. Ultimately it's up to you to decide if that matters or not. 
so it was like no pressure at all, man. And I, and I did my thing and was riding great and, and you know, kind of did the, the season like I wanted to on, on my terms. And uh, you'd mentioned at the finals, you know, is the closest title race everywhere or at any time at that point. Um, man, that was so fun for me because uh, not only was I riding against, you know, my friends and some of the best bull riders in the world, but it was like a, like a boxing match, man. Like each round kind of when Galeramie fell off the first few rounds and it just turned into me and JB, mm-hmm. it was like, I'd throw a punch. He'd throw a punch. I'd throw a punch. He'd throw a punch. It was like, who, who was going to get knocked down first. And, uh, and my first round bull sucked actually. Uh, I think I was like 84 on him and I was giving Lambert a hard time for even bringing him to the finals. Yeah. Uh, when I drew him and you know, Lambert, he's such a smart ass. He's like, well, he bucked you off wherever he, he did. He'd throw me <laughs> off somewhere. But I, knew he, I knew he was counterfeit cause he'd make a couple rounds and he'd take off out of it. Yeah. And uh, that's what he did at the finals. And I wrote him and then Lambert's like, ah, yeah, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't have brought him. But um, anyhow, I was way down in the, in the draft. And I think JB might've won that round. So he was way up there and it took me all finals, but I finally ended up passing JB in the, in the average and coming into the short round. And I had uh, voodoo child and, and JB had um, black pearl. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, just same attitude, no pressure went at him. And unfortunately my hand come out of the rope at like seven, eight or something on voodoo child. And I didn't get a score. And then uh, JB rode black pearl and won the final. But uh, fortunately I, you know, I had, had, had enough of a lead that he couldn't catch me in the world title race. But I think, yeah, I mean, only at, in the point system back then, it was basically about a ride, a yeah. ride or two part is what uh, made the point points difference. Um, so yeah, it was uh, cool. Cool, yeah. man. I mean, I, I would rather have a finals like that than just having it won before you come in, you know, it's way more, way less stressful, I guess, if you have it won coming into the finals, but it's a way cooler win to, to fight fight for it through the end so being the closest race in 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 history going into that finals and it all gets down after like first or second round to you and jb what was the conversations that you and him or did you have conversations jarring back and forth going into those final couple rounds i mean was it fun or was it kind of intense conversations you you had between each other uh yeah mostly mostly joking around fun conversations you know we didn't Honestly, I don't even know if we talked about bull riding all that much. It was just kind of like, oh, what's the what's the media want now? And what's that? Who's going to interview us today? And this and that. And uh, it was kind of funny, actually. We had they always had us facing off like at the intros, you know, they'd have yeah. us. All right, we want you. And then close together, face to face, looking mad at each other or something. And we couldn't do it without laughing. So, <laughs> so we. I'd have to look like over his shoulder and he'd look over my shoulder. So we didn't see each other's faces. Cause then we'd be standing out there like two girls laughing at each other. Uh, uh, you guys are both kind of yeah. like that, right? You guys are both in the locker rooms. Like Scott was asking too. You, there's lots of guys that, you know, think about bull riding and talk about bull riding. You and JB are both the opposite of that. You'll be talking about what you did during the week or what went on a month ago or a year ago, you know, like you guys, it seemed like you tried to not get into that stuff and not overthink it so that when it came to riding time, you just were focused on, on the task as soon as it happened. Yeah, absolutely. I think JB has been really good at that his whole career about basically not giving a crap. 
and uh, just having fun and getting on and going. And, uh, and yeah, it's kind of the same way. I wasn't probably as good as uh, doing that as JB was, but, uh, but yeah, I like to just have a good time. You know, the, the bull riding is, is going to come on its own. There's no reason to stress out about it or, or, or put out too much energy before you nod your head because that's when it matters. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, that's huge, man. That's yeah. Every, everybody's dream is to win that title. And you did that. So you, you get that buckle forever. It's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm glad, glad to get it. The, the coolest part for me, I mean, I, uh, there's a lot of bull riders that are a lot better than I ever was, but the fun part for me was, I think, you know, Glaramy and JB are two of the best that I've ever watched ride and to be able to beat them one year, uh, at least, at least for one year, I got them, you know? yeah that was cool cool okay uh you got to get into the the truck horn prank i've heard that you you have some sort of prank with the truck horn we need to get into that yeah man the truck horn prank and i'm gonna tell you right now you're gonna want to use this and everybody who's listening you're gonna want to use it too i can't say i came up with it um cory navar if you remember cory he's (laughs) oh yeah uh so he he come up with this prank so you just go to Mm -hmm. an auto parts store and an aftermarket horn yeah and um it's got like a wire to ground it on on the uh you know two wires one ground and one power wire so navarre took this horn and he and he clamped it onto benny butler's bumper <laughs> and and it it, it it so he grounded it like that and then he took the power wire and plugged it into um his trailer hitch i can't remember which pin it is but it's the brakes and like the right hand turn or something <laughs> and so it. every time every time benny he, he'd get in his truck and take off every time he'd hit the brakes this horn would go off behind him or at, anytime he turned right you know it'd go, honk, honk, honk. <laughs> so the bar sets it up and we don't see benny leave but we hear him come back to the to the fairground, and all you hear is him down the street. Ah! <laughs> he pulls in, pulls into the gate, and he's like, "You son of a bitch, just fix my truck!" And whoever did this is, you know, how Benny gets, and he's just all wound up. And holy crap, it was great. So, so anyhow, we did it to Matt Bohan at an event. He had his truck parked in the parking garage at. Uh, albuquerque i think so we we plugged the horn into his truck you hear him coming out of the parking lot he's turning right honk, 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 honk. <laughs> and, oh it's hilarious because because everybody goes to they go to check it out right they think it's their horn so they put their car in park going off and they're under the hood like matt's up under the hood looking <laughs> for this horn oh it's great fun so anyhow Use that on your friends and family, grandparents, all all the people. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm starting today. I'm yeah. starting. I'm going, I'm going to town to get a horn because that is funny. That is, that is funny. Good. <laughs> so one thing I did want to get into with you and and our audience, uh, the how you were as a rider. You were always standing up for the guys. I remember in the locker rooms whenever it would come to meetings and and all the situations that that we'd get into you were more intelligent than than all of us so it was better to have you talking <laughs> have you talking and 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 you could articulate through it but you were always for the guys and always trying to represent us in the best way and 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 do right by the competitors now you're a part of the western sports foundation is that kind of what segued you into the western sports foundation is just being there for the guys I think so, Tanner. Like the, uh, 
I don't know. I, I care about, I care about the sport and the people more so than like any organization in particular, right? Like the, the, the people is what makes up the sport. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of always been my, my heart, I guess, to, uh, to stand up for the guys and, and my friends, my competitors, you know, the people that, that make this sport happen. Um, and so I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, that really does kind of make sense. That's kind of why always being part of representing the riders and now being part of the Western sports foundation that kind of just went hand in hand. There's always just, you know, it, rodeo and, and, and bull riding and all of it. It's just, it's a rough sport and it's always one-on-one and you got guys that are tough and they don't want to ask for help and they just want to tough it out and do their thing. So the Western sports foundation, not only, you know, have they grown to where now it's not just about financial assistance when they're, when they're helping an injured rider, but also, the other things that make up our lives, right? There's more to life than just this this bull riding and rodeo. Um, so being able to help guys, like, hey, I want to leave. I want to leave the the sport better than than when I got here, right? And and I think now with a lot of the programs we've got going, not only the Western Sports Foundation, but but you with the Ty Pazbound Foundation, um, we can help guys that that really don't know how to ask for help or how to get the help they want. But, um, you know, guys like you and me that have been there and, and seen this stuff and can see the benefit of asking for help and using these programs um, is huge. And, and I just like, I'd like to, to see guys when they leave the sport, not be broken and, and uh, poor, you know, to yeah. be, uh, to be healthy mentally, physically, and have a plan for the rest of life. Cause uh, it's, you know, as well as anybody, you do something wholeheartedly your whole life, and then one day it's gone. You don't, it's not so easy just to pick up yeah. and go do something else. 100%. Maybe get into um, your role now with the Western Sports Foundation and kind of a, a background for those that, that don't know. Our listeners have heard about the, the Ty Osborne Foundation, and I always kind of say we're kind of the Canadian division of, of what the Western Sports Foundation does in the U.S. But, uh, yeah, maybe share with our listeners who aren't familiar with what the Western Sports Foundation is and what your role with them is. Um, so the Western Sports Foundation is formerly known Rider Relief Fund. And uh, back then, you know, it was all about helping uh, guys that had – you know, they were injured and down, couldn't ride, couldn't pay the bills. It was just a little financial assistance to help them get through those rough times. Um, as the sport has evolved, we've come to learn, you know, there's a lot more to this deal than just helping guys when they're down. Sometimes when they're down, especially if it's, you know, brain, head trauma related, there's a lot of extra stuff that can go along with that. That isn't just, it's not something you can see. Right. Um, so anyhow, they were kind of they were kind of rebranding uh, the the uh, rider relief fund and adding some more of these programs. And I don't really know how. Uh, I was just talking to uh, to some people about it at the time that were involved in all that. I was like, you know, I'd really like to see, uh, you know, like some financial planning, right? Because a lot of guys went from having no money to all of a sudden you can ride bulls good and they're paying you a bunch of money and now you're. I mean, you got taxes and, and how to manage your money and how to not spend it all on stupid things. And, uh, anyhow, they they asked kind of, if I just can't keep advising them on what I think would be beneficial. And, and it just turned into a deal where I'm now on the, on the committee, you know, the, the board for, uh, 
for the Western Sports Foundation and also on the Athlete Advisory Committee, which we've created to kind of have uh, input, input from the people that are out there, right? The boots on the ground, the people that are doing it, the, what programs could be beneficial to help athletes, you know, just live a, a better life and, and have a career after rodeo as well. So now not only do we have the financial assistance, but a, a huge, you know, portion is the, the uh, neurological stuff, the, the mental health. Um, we've got some of the best doctors in the country that can help people with, um, you know, traumatic brain injuries and concussions and all that stuff. And I think now guys are starting to actually use those services because we've seen, you know, concussions are a lot bigger deal than what we realized growing up. You know, it used to be, mm -hmm. oh, you got knocked out, you know, rub some dirt on it and get back on. Well, now we're realizing guys like it can screw up our lives. And obviously with the stuff that, uh, that happened with Ty, you know, it's, it's just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Mm -hmm. And so that's been huge. You know, it's been great to see guys using that service um but also beyond that we've got the financial planning where you can talk to financial advisors um and give you some advice on how to deal with taxes and planning for your future and putting some money away and saving where where you when you're winning a lot of money if you do things right that money can start working for you and making you money down the road where now you don't you're not putting effort into it you're just getting these paychecks because you did something smart with your money back when you had money Yep. Um, and then on top of that, you know, there's the nutrition planning, they got, uh, gym memberships. Um, and we do some, uh, some training camps here in Colorado at the PBR sports performance center, which has been great. They've kind of let me, uh, take the reins on some of this mental training stuff, which has been badass Cause we've got <laughs> to, like, I've worked with some former Navy SEALs here and we did like some of the stuff that they did for training as far as getting mentally tough and digging down deep and seeing what you got inside of you to get through different situations. Uh, we got to incorporate some of that in the training for the bull riders, which I think is going to be oh, yeah. uh, huge if we can get more of those deals going. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, long story short, the, the Western Sports Foundation, I just kind of have fallen into it, I guess, just as from my personality and things I like. But um it's something that as the word gets out and, and more and more people can use these services, uh, I think it's going to be a game changer. And especially, you know, with, with you on board now on the athlete advisory committee and just what we can do between that and the type Osborne foundation with helping people that, uh, that, that need help and, and, and tough people like, right. Being, being a cowboy and being a tough son of a gun doesn't mean sometimes you don't need to just humble yourself and, and get some help. So it's cool to uh, to see all this kind of coming together now. Yeah, and I think it definitely goes back to what you said right off the start. During your career, you had to go in your riding. You had to get tweaked up every once in a while. Um, it's the same thing mentally. You know, we, we all we all go through it. We all need a kick in the pants or a hand up once in a while on the mental side of it as well. So it plays one plays on the other. I think. Hey. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, and honestly, like, it's kind of weird because, right, as, as cowboys and, and what yeah. we've done for a living, we're used to taking risks, right? Mm -hmm. It's no different. Like, I think the most, most of the reason guys don't want to get checked out is because they're afraid of what they'll find out. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just a, like, yeah, right. It's, it's a risk you got to take as a, as a man, as a, as a cowboy, take the risk and, and find out what you may not want to know but you can help yourself with that knowledge. It might yeah. not be what you want to know, but you can move forward and improve your life with that knowledge. So, yeah. um, 
you're absolutely right. It's and even like you talk about the differences just in in um, guys' mindsets. I find too, like you you see the guys now taking care of concussions and and you know taking them serious and and properly healing from them. When one of the first stories that you talked about was getting your head stepped on and then flying across the <laughs> yeah. country and pounding Nyquil and you know like I have a hundred of those right of traveling with guys <laughs> or whatever. You're just doing the totally wrong thing for your head, not knowing the long-term effects of it. But with, with the Western Sports Foundation, Ty Posbaum Foundation, all these, um, you know, people and organizations coming together, we might have missed it, but now we have an opportunity to help this next generation and, and get them off on the right foot right from the start to have a better life in general. Absolutely. I mean, that's what it's all about. They're people, younger guys, they don't have to make the same mistakes that me and you made, right? Uh, yeah. That. That's the mark of somebody who knows their crap when they can learn from somebody others, somebody else's mistakes. Don't have to make it themselves. <laughs> and and kudos to both foundations because I see it now. These young guys that are coming up, it's just kind of ingrained in them. They don't have to be told about it. They don't have to be, um, you know, don't have to be pushed to do anything like we just talked about. It's just the norm, and that's and that's I think is the was the beginning goal to get where that is just a normal thing to take care of your head, to carry your mental fitness, and we see it now um, as soon as these kids are going. Yeah, it's great to see it. It's it really is. It's uh, I mean, I can't tell you how happy I am for them because that's been something that's hard. It's it's you've seen how long it takes to change that mindset. Yeah, yeah struggles. Yeah, so hats off to, to everybody, the Western Sports Foundation. Uh, you can go online and find them. And, and like you say, Cody, all the different programs that they have, it's not just financial or neurological. There's nutrition plans. There's tons of different avenues that, that you can reach out and, and receive help or guidance into different situations. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of like your, your, your players union or your, your team behind you is that Western Sports Foundation and Type Osborne Foundation for a Western lifestyle athlete. So go check it out online, go check it out. Uh, you know, wherever, where else can you, can you find them? Cody, there's I'm sure lots of contact information, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously online Facebook, uh, the typical uh, social media stuff you can find, find everything you need to know. And um, you know, not only for, for the athletes, right. That uh, you guys use these programs, they're all free, right. They ain't going to cost you a dime. Um, also people out there that, that aren't competing um, and, and you'd like to help out some of these, some of these causes, you know, we're, we're, that we're, what we're trying to do to help people. Um, we can, you know, the Western Sports Foundation, the Ty Osborne Foundation could always use your support and your help. Um, however, however you're able to do that. So we appreciate all our, all our donors and all our people that have stand behind us too, because it's not a one man gig. Like it's not just me or, or Tanner or any one person out doing this stuff. It takes a, a whole, a whole army to make it happen and make a difference. So thank you for all your support. Yeah. It's huge. You can't do it without the, without the support. Right. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, man. Well, that's, that's super cool. And, and, uh, happy to be a part of that. And also, you know, you can reach out to, to us or, or any, you know, athlete advisors on that board too. And we can take that to the, to the, to the foundations and, and use that to, to grow. Right. Cody, with everything that's going on, it's always trying to find new ways of, of improvement absolutely if there's uh, any suggestions things that we can do better or improve on or, or whatever you know you can you can find me on uh, facebook and um the other you know tanner um and also the other uh 
athlete advisory committee members, which would be uh, Luke Branquino, Dakota Lewis, Cody Teal, um, Ashley Webster. But yeah, Jr. Venezian, uh, he's on there as well. So anybody, you know, you don't have to reach out to me or anybody in particular, but uh, whoever you know, get in touch with them. And if you don't know any of them, then uh, just find somebody. Yeah, badass. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I no, appreciate everything you're doing on that and, and everybody within the Ty Posbon Foundation, Western Sports Foundation. It's game-changing for, for everybody involved. So hats off to them, and hopefully we can keep growing them and, and do the right things by everybody. Uh, Cody, you got to give us the the photo finish trip to the Calgary Stampede. We have a lot of Canadian listeners that well, Calgary always gets brought up. Mostly the Ranchmans usually gets brought up, but give us your, <laughs> oh, I bet. Uh, give us your photo finish trip to Calgary. Yeah. I figured you'd like the, the, some of the Calgary stories. Yep. So I think, uh, let's see, it was 20. I, I, I went to the stampede several years. I don't remember what was the first year, but in 2013, that was the last year I went, and uh, I didn't actually get invited, right? I didn't get the call from Barry. or uh, yeah. he, I don't know if Barry's still there, but that was always the most exciting phone call to get for me. <laughs> Barry's number would pop up, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to Calgary. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, so in 2013, I didn't get invited, and I was going to some rodeos over the summer, and I was actually I, I was headed to the short round of the Greeley Stampede here uh which is like 30 minutes from my house. And uh, cause I was sat there to ride that day. And so I'm just leaving the house and Barry's name pops up on my caller ID. I'm like, oh crap. Like I knew Calgary was about to start and I was so excited, but then the other part of my brain's like, all right, how am I going to make this happen? And so uh, Barry says, Hey, you know, so-and-so couldn't make it. Can you be here tomorrow? And Calgary starts tomorrow like uh yeah i'll be there i don't know how and how i'm gonna get there but i'll get there and so i throw some clothes in a bag and tell my wife hey i will try to go to calgary after i get done here at Greeley, and we'll see what happens so i go to Greeley and and ride in the short round there um and i'm asking around i'm like all right you know is anybody going trying to look at flights all this stuff well i find uh so cody old and Luke Branquino are driving up there from Greeley. They were both up in the short round too. So we all compete in the short round. We jump in the, in their truck and trailer and, and the short round is, you know, gets over at three or whatever. And now we've got to drive to Calgary, which starts at one. I think that when I started yeah, at one. one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, so we take off and Cody's got a driver. And so I'm thinking, oh, I got this made, you know, uh, they're not going to make me drive this truck. And so anyhow, Cody's driver drives his shift and then Cody drives a shift and then Luke Branquino drives a shift. And at this point, I think we just crossed into Canada. And um, I had been staying awake BSing with everybody just to be a good pilot, you know. Yeah. Well, they all drive and then and they stop and they're like, all right, you're up. And they all get in the trailer and leave me alone. And we've not only got, you know, like a brand new Ford one ton pickup, we've got like a hundred thousand dollar horse trailer, uh, Luke Branquino's bulldog and horse, Cody Ols rope and horse. And we've got one of Trevor Brazil's horses in the trailer too. And I'm, I, you know, who knows how much this rig is worth. <laughs> and, I'm like, and, and we're having to hustle, right? Like we're, we don't have any extra time to burn to get there the next day. And so I've never drove so perfect in my life like <laughs> 10 and 2 
speed limit, brakes, you know, everything is, is just picture perfect because I'm terrified of wrecking this rig and all these horses in it. And we, and we rolled into Calgary at noon yeah. and, uh, you know, it takes a while to get checked in there, especially with a with truck and trailer. So yeah, basically rolled into Calgary, got checked in, parked the rig and went and, you know, and jumped on a bull and, and off we go. And, and that ended up being a great week, you know, one, one round or two. And, uh, you know, Calgary is always such a great time that it's, it's hands down the best rodeo in the world and that's the exact reason i always got so excited when barry would call and is why i told him yeah i'll be there tomorrow i don't know how i'm gonna get there but but i'll get there (laughs) somebody had a horse trailer with like a little living quarter in it not nothing fancy like it had a bed and they'd parked it in this low spot and me and douglas duncan stayed in that (laughs) horse trailer sleeping on that mattress and every time it would rain there would be like two and a half foot of water outside of our front door of this trailer so yeah it was just one of them weeks you know like calgary is it's always an adventure every day when you wake up and, and go yeah. to bed the next night <laughs> douglas probably didn't spend much time in the trailer anyway he's probably roaming <laughs> oh no 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 he, he wasn't in there often <laughs> <laughs> oh man we appreciate you uh scott you can rip him with our infamous question good chatting with you today cody uh good to see you again um well, this is the NFP podcast. Uh, we do have our take on hashtag NFP. Uh, for our listeners, we're wondering what yours is. Yeah, so I I, uh, I give it some thought about this ahead of time. And to me, NFP means not being afraid to put in the work and, uh, and get dirty. Like life isn't easy. And, and it's not, sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it sucks but it's always worth going through the shitty times to get to the good times. And to me, that is what this is all about. Like the world doesn't have time to wait on us for a a better day or an easy day. Like it needs people and men and and women that can get the job done now and aren't afraid to, to get dirty to do it. So that's what NFP means to me. Yeah. That's, that's a new take. I like that one. Yeah. That's a good one. I actually, I thought you guys were going to hammer me a little harder with that. So I'm glad I got you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Because that's the thing. It means something different to everybody, right? It, it doesn't yeah. mean what the acronym can mean. It can mean anything, something different to everybody. That's what that's what's so great about it is all the different answers of, of what it means to them. And it comes down to just living life the way that, you know, in my opinion of like you just said, working hard and doing what's doing what's right and being fucking cat boy. <laughs> And, it, right. and, and Flint Rasmussen put it best in a previous pod. If you don't work hard and you don't put the time in and what it all means to everybody, you just put an A in front of uh, FP <laughs> and you're A, you know what. So. <laughs> yeah, lots of different takes. Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, Cody, man. Well, we've held you for a long time here. And I, yeah, I got lots more to ask you so we might have to get you back on at some point we can keep you coming back with some updates on the western sports foundation and and different stuff like that to keep everybody informed on everything but we sure do appreciate you you taking the time and coming on here and uh a guy that i looked up to my whole career and when you talk about those heroes in the locker room when you're a kid and you get to come and ride that that was you and and it was pretty cool to to be able to share a locker room with you for a while there and, and learn from you as much as i could Heck yeah, man. Well, it wasn't one-sided. I enjoyed the hell out of sharing a locker room with you and, and all the guys. And 
That's what, uh, honestly, it's what you miss the most when it's gone. It's not the bulls. Sure. It's uh, my buddies like you. Appreciate you having me on, man. You're doing cool stuff. And uh, uh, if you ever need me again, just holler. Perfect. All right. We appreciate you, man. This has been our interview with world champion Cody. So quickly.